Hi, and welcome to Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast, where we share positive stories and suggestions about finding hope, resources, and connections to help us all get through hard times. I'm Karen Sullivan, a mom, an author, and a stage four cancer patient who's always looking around me for inspiration. I believe in surrounding myself with people and experiences that make me smile. And that's what I'm hoping to do for you today. So grab your favorite drink, get cozy, and let's get started. I am so excited to introduce you to Christine Job, a business strategist and the award-winning podcaster of the Flourish in the Foreign podcast. Launched in 2020, Flourish in the Foreign was shortlisted for the 2021 International Women's Podcasting Awards and also won the Black Podcasting Awards 2021 Best International Podcast. In addition, the podcast was included in Apple Podcasts 2023 Black History Month Podcast Spotlight. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Christine. She is an inspirational powerhouse empowering women throughout the world. She went from following the American dream in the United States to taking a sabbatical, which ultimately landed her permanently in Spain. Now, today, Christine is going to talk to us about how her burnout led her to move internationally and how being abroad gave her the space to cultivate her own healing. Christine, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Karen. I am really excited to chat with you. If you could tell the listeners a little bit, like you're from Atlanta, you, you know, clearly from the introduction, you wanted to live the American dream, like many people do, or have an idea, whatever that dream is, to pursue it. And many times, for many of us, it sounds like for you, it led to burnout. Can you talk to us a little bit about when it was that you thought, hmm, maybe I should move, and maybe I should move overseas, and what that brought to you? I'll have to give you guys like a little bit of a background, basically. So I'm from Atlanta, but my dad and his family are immigrants from Trinidad and Tobago. And um, my parents had me super young. They got married when they're like 19 years old. Like, who's doing that? Having children. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, obviously that wasn't enough. And so they got divorced really young. And I found myself being like an unaccompanied minor being shuttled between my parents and grandparents um, around the country, which was crazy because back then, you know, four-year-olds, five-year-olds, six-year-olds were just like, here's some, you know, uh, wings and just get on the plane. You'll be fine. Like there wasn't as many uh, protocols and things like that. Right. So I was always used to movement and things like that. I was also always conditioned and expected to go to college because that's the thing you need to do. I was the first person in my entire family to ever go to professional school. So I remember when I was like five years old, I was with my grandmother. She was watching her stories and, you know, with, you know, so <gasps> Which stories did she watch? Because I love days of our lives. Young, young and the restless, young and the restless. All right. But, uh, but yeah, that could be a whole nother conversation about stories, but all right. So you were, you were with your grandmother. She was watching her stories. You know, it's very dramatic. Someone's always dying every other episode. And so someone had just died on camera and I was like, grandma, watch me die. You know, and she was like, you're gonna be an amazing actress. And I remember my mom walked in and she goes, no, no, she's not gonna be an actress. She's gonna be a lawyer. 
And I remember that so <laughs> distinctly because it has, it was always written that I was going to be a lawyer. That was it. I had the weight of the dreams of my mother, of my parents, of my grandparents on me, which is, I think is very typical for, you know, second generation, I suppose, uh, kids and just kids of color or just, and I'm the oldest uh, siblings or oldest child. So like oldest daughter, I just, I always had that expectation. So I'm like, going through life. I'm getting straight A's. My father moves to Germany. So I start visiting him in Germany. So I have that international experience and I start recognizing that there's a whole different world out, outside of what I know. And I became really curious about exploring that. But I just assume like I'm going to travel a lot or maybe one day I will live abroad. But I'm still very focused on, you know, got to go to university. I go to university and I study abroad and I actually studied abroad 16 years ago here in Valencia, Spain. And the wow. city has been is very different from then, <laughs> you know, and I had that experience and I was like, yeah, I want to live abroad and things like that. I ended up going to university or law school at the University of Miami, and that was a turning point for me for so many reasons. Right before I moved to Miami to go to law school, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer, and I was like, well, I guess I'm not going to law school. And she was like, um, I didn't recognize that you were already a doctor, oncologist, like you're going to law school, goodbye. And so... It was such a crazy time. I'm going to law school again, the first person in my entire family to go to professional school. I don't obviously come from a family of lawyers. I have this thing going on in my personal life and I need to be this lawyer. And so unlike a lot of my classmates, I hit the ground running. We're, you're not supposed to work during law school, like especially the first year. And I was like, I need to make connections because a lot of my classmates had parents that were lawyers and judges. And I was like, I don't have none of that. Yeah. So I started, I started shadowing attorneys and, wow. and trying to get, go to networking events. And they'd be like, you're a one L what are you doing here? And I'm like, I to know somebody. And it was a great move for me because I got to understand a little bit more about the practice of law before I had graduated. But it, it was double-sided because then I recognized very quickly, I was like, I don't think I want to practice law in traditional way. Like, I'm not sure if this is for me. And I definitely didn't have the insight or self-awareness to be like, let's explore why this may not be for you and maybe take a step back. It was more like I need to push, push through. And that's what I did. I did the things that was expected of me. I ended up becoming the first Black woman to be president of the law school. I just, you know, I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be this thing. But by the end of law school, I was I was beat up emotionally and, and mentally. I had been trying to basically fit, you know, a square peg into a round hole. It just wasn't working out the way I wanted it to. And a lot of people are like, that's normal. You're supposed to feel miserable. You're a lawyer. Wow. I don't want that. That's a powerful statement because, you know, yes, you want to commiserate with your peers or your mentors. But this whole profession to be like, you're supposed to be miserable. That's what it's like being a lawyer. Like, I can understand where that would be like, 
wow, what did I get myself into? Yeah, it was really tough. And I was also in the midst of all these things going on. I was really falling deeper and deeper into just learning about different spiritual practices and philosophies. And I was just like, things don't make sense. I feel like I should feel joy sometimes. <laughs> I feel like I should have that. And so, you know, I kind of went off, you know, my, I think it was the end of my second year to find joy and like a nerd that I am. Um, I was one of those people that read the school bulletins that no one reads because again, nerd. I totally and during, read them. And they were probably like newspapers when I was in school. But yeah, um, I, I did. Okay. But so us in the minority that read them. Yeah. And there was a spotlight on this fantastic woman who was this entrepreneur. And she was the director of the incubator on the main campus. And for some reason, I just resonated with her message. And I was like, she must know something that I don't know. So I set out to like meet her and to like get some wisdom. She was never in the office. The other people were like, who are you? Why do you keep on coming around? Leave us alone. And finally, they're just like, what do you want? Do you want a job? And I was like, actually, sure. And that really changed a lot because, you know, I'm in law school. I tried, you know, being an apprentice for different attorneys. I was um, an intern for a federal magistrate judge. I interned at Zumba Fitness, their general counsel, which I was like, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Still. No, it wasn't right wow, for me. Uh -huh. And I go to this incubator, I become their legal fellow. And that really flips the switch for me a little bit about taking a non-traditional path, about connecting dots that aren't you know, uh, obvious to other people by allowing myself to be pulled in a direction that's more organic. And I tell you all this context because I think it's really important because I'm... I decided after I graduated from law school to not take the bar exam um, and to join this director that I did eventually meet um, in her private uh, venture. And two weeks after law school, I was in Namibia and South Africa on a business trade mission. And I was like, I'm doing it. I'm living this life. Look at me, international. I don't have to be a lawyer or anything. This is the thing. And it was great. I'm not going to lie. It was great. It was cool. But soon after that, that summer that I actually graduated from law school, I had a death in my family that changed everything. It changed literally my family hasn't ever been the same. I had to return to Atlanta and returning to Atlanta and trying to figure out what did I want to do? I had this experience of not being a traditional lawyer. I wanted to keep on keep on doing that. I had started to really um, delve into my spiritual practice and really anchor myself in some of these, I would say seedlings of wellness. And I wanted to do that too. I wanted to have a joyful life. And so when I returned to Atlanta, I was like, okay, I'm gonna have my own consultancy. I'm gonna do business strategy. And I'm going to just go after it. And it didn't work out that way. <laughs> like it just did it. It was so hard. And I still was very deeply programmed. And what I would say is like law, law school culture about grinding, um, but also very much tied to, I think, just kind of toxic American professional culture, which is just 
your value is very much tied to what you do and how impressive it is to other people. And that was killing me slowly. It was just killing me slowly that I was out here grinding, working, I'm, I'm doing strategy and it's great. I produced a music festival. I was doing all these things. I was like, yeah, these are exciting things. And it was like, the money was like, mm. and I was working so hard and all my friends were making lots of money, <laughs> you know, cause it's different when you're both like broke law students. And now you're like, oh, wow, that's, that's nice. <laughs> And I'm just in this space where I'm just like, I, I'm not well. And it's way more than just comparing myself to my peers. It's, I don't feel like myself and I'm not sure if I ever knew who I was. And I just thought I've got to do something. I eventually, during this period after law school, I walked the Camino de Santiago, which is a pilgrimage across Spain. It's about 500 miles. I did that. That changed a lot of things in my, my mind. What led you to do that? Was it a part of this kind of, you know, spiritual connection that you're like, I want to go do this pilgrimage? Or was it, you know, sometimes we make decisions, oh, so-and-so and so-and-so is doing it. With all this stuff going on, how did that come into play? It was dramatic. I was supposed to move to Kuala Lumpur. I had signed on um, with this startup and I was like, whoa, I have a cool startup job in Malaysia, like deuces. And I, and I did like a whole farewell party. I went to my, I flew to Miami to say goodbye to my friends. So I'm in Atlanta. I fly to Miami, like I'm leaving. I don't know when I'll ever see you again. Um, and uh, soon after, a month after that, you know, I submit my documents for my visa. They renege on the contract. It's like, sorry, you don't have a job. I had given up my beautiful apartment in Inman Park, Atlanta. If anyone's familiar with Atlanta, Inman Park is like, oh, so beautiful. I'm in the suburbs with my mom. No shade to my mom. My mom's awesome. But like, you know, I'm in the suburbs with my mom. Right, right, right. And right. I get this news and I'm just like, what do you mean? I just told everyone. You know, I, 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 I decided to go rogue. Everyone said, no, you have to take the bar. You need to practice traditionally. And I was like, no, I'm going to join a startup and I'm going to go to Namibia. And then I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to come back to Atlanta. And then I don't know what I'm doing with my life. And oh, now I'm going to go to Kuala Lumpur. And now I'm not. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm the biggest loser in the entire world. I hate this so much. And I just didn't know what to do with myself. So I went on a hike. And when I say hike, like, you know, where you like park your car and you walk up, you walk down. Like that was the extent of the hiking. So I went on a hike and I was just like cursing the universe out loud. And so I'm sure the people walking by were like, hmm, that girl is, there's something wrong with her. Just like, you know, outbursts of like expletives, just like, because I was angry and I was hurt and I was just like, I feel like I'm supposed to do something different, not for the sake of being different, but I feel called to move in a different way. But I feel like I'm being told no at every turn. I feel like I'm not getting the support. Like universe, what do you want from me? And that's when the thought came, walk the Camino Santiago. 
which was crazy because I'd only heard about it six months prior at New Year's when one of my friends was like, you know, during New Year's, you're like, what's your bucket list of things you want to do? And she was like, I want to walk the Camino Santiago. And I was like, what's that? She's like, it's a walk across Spain. You just have a backpack on and you just walk. And I was like, okay, girl, that sounds <laughs> nice for you. <laughs> want to do that. But it came to me and I was like, oh, that's horrible. You know, next one, next thought. What else can I do? What am I supposed to do now? And it was a thought that even to this day, it has nothing's ever plagued me, haunted me like that thought did. It was like incessant, like something was on me being like, you need to do this. And I was like, what? So I looked it up online and I was like, what is Camino de Santiago? Um, of course, you know, I see like, oh, it's a walk across Spain. How many miles? Oh, no. And the first thing I think of is all the reasons why I can't, which is I'm a woman. I can't do that. You know, I'm all about women's empowerment, but I'm like, oh, no, I'm a, I'm a woman. I can't possibly walk across Spain. Of course, I scroll down and there's like this grandma who's like 86 years old and this will be my 15th Camino. And I'm like, I can't let grandma like play me like this. Like I can't, I can't do it. I can't live my life like this. And so I kind of meekly was like, okay, universe, I'm going to say yes. You need to show me if I'm really supposed to do it. And the universe immediately showed me everything that I needed to know. Meaning people came to me People were like, oh, like people, like resources came to me about the Camino. And then I was like, I told one of my friends, like, oh, I'm thinking about doing it. She's like, oh, no, you need to talk to Tom. I'm like, who's Tom? I sent an email. I'm like, I'm thinking about doing it. He's like, meet me at this address at this time. And I was like, what's happening? Yes. What is this? The address is a hospital. Tom has me meet him in the lobby of a hospital while his ex-wife is having some type of surgery. He takes a Camino cross off his neck, gives it to me, a handful of euros in a, in a shopping list. And is like, buen Camino. And I was like, I guess that's a sign. I guess I'm going on Camino. And let me tell you, I, the Camino is now very popular. I didn't want to do it. I cried every night. I cried in the shower. I didn't want to do it. But in three weeks after I had the news that I couldn't go, uh, that the contract was reneged, I was in Bordeaux, not speaking French, trying to get a train to get to Saint-Jean-Pierre-de-Port to start the Camille uh, Francaise. And it was life affirming in a way that I didn't know I needed it to be. The Camino is a, an experience in which you can't hide from yourself everything that you compartmentalize. And a lot of us become very good at it. Like we have, you know, nice labeled organizational boxes inside of us. We're like, yes, this is where I put the tough feelings and we file it away. It's a place where everything comes up to the surface. It's a place where you have these chance encounters of people telling you exactly what you need to hear in moments. And you're just like, you know, and then sometimes in languages that you don't even know, you're like, I don't even speak Dutch. And yet I understand everything that's happening. And I needed that. It was in a, a fascinating experience for me. It's, and it's, it was an experience that taught me that it really is about the journey, not the destination. Because let me tell you, I'm, I'm a Capricorn through and through. So I was just like, I don't care about any of that journey nonsense. I'm here for the achievements. I'm here for the stuff. 
But walking the Camino Santiago, there's a there's a saying, it's paso a paso, step by step, which obviously it translates, it makes the same, it's the same thing. But it's something about actually walking step by step, by setting an intention. I'm headed towards Santiago de Compostela. That's where I'm going. Some days I, I'm more hours out there. Some days I'm not. Sometimes it's raining, but that's what I'm doing. It is an incredible act of meditation. And for me, it changed everything because I realized I could do anything in the world, not in an arrogant way, but just in like, it's obvious. I can literally do anything step by step. Will I have horrible tendonitis afterwards, my feet, and could be where, barely walk for two months? That's a possibility, but that's part of it. But can I do anything? Absolutely. For a lot of my life, it was about how things look to other people, regardless of how it felt for me as a person actually living the life. And I think I, I needed that kind of experience. I needed to surrender myself and free myself from the thoughts and um, opinions of others. Because one, people don't really care that much. <laughs> like, I think that's the thing. Like, we think like people are watching and judging. And like, people are really self-centered, like super self-centered and really don't care. Um, but it really wasn't until I was at a breaking point. I was exhausted. I didn't know what else to do. And I was super unhappy. And I didn't have the language of burnout at the time. And to be honest, I think because mostly Black Americans, Southern Black Americans, especially Caribbean descent, like, um, I don't come from a family that was like, maybe you're depressed and maybe you're anxious. They're just like, okay, calm down and you'll figure it out. <laughs> And it's like, that's great. But I definitely was in a space where I needed some extra support and I didn't receive it. And that's not, uh, that's not against anyone. It was just what it was. And at the time when I finally decided I'm going to go abroad, I was just like, I need this feeling to stop. I need to catch my breath. And so I decided to leave Atlanta and move to La Rioja which is a very, very famous wine region here in Spain. Not the most famous, because if I say that, they don't have Spaniards want to fight me. There's plenty of wine regions here in Spain. They're all lovely. It is probably the most famous one. And I moved there to teach English. I taught English um, 12 hours a week, three days a week. And so people were like, girl, you went from this insanity, 60, 70, 80 hours, hustling all the time in the car, wheeling and dealing, trying to make things work, 12 hours, three days a week, you're living the life, you're in La Rioja, you're drinking all the wine. And I was drinking all the wine. <laughs> However, drinking all the wine does not lead to wellness. I think we can all say that, right? Like, right, right. It's fun. And if you're in a good, if you're in a good mental state, it can be really fun. But, uh, you know, if you're not, then eh, there could be challenges. But uh, I, there's so many things I want to ask you right now in terms of this journey. And there's so many things that there are parallels here when you talk about your experience. And hey, listen, in life, we all have different experiences. But I love how when you were talking about the step-by-step -step philosophy and enjoying the um the process, not necessarily the end game. I, I grew up 
where it was all about what's the next achievement. I started out with um, family shows and sports teams, and you're only as la- good as your last game. You're only as good as your last show if you're marketing a show. And and that was maybe that was a Generation X thing, but on the same note, I don't think yeah, you know we're from different generations, and and you're saying something very similar that it was all about what's next. It was all about, uh, I didn't really necessarily celebrate the big wins. Like, yeah, I, you know, had a good time and like pat myself on the back for a half a moment, but then it was on to the next. And that really could provoke this ongoing, whether it's anxiety, whether it's um, icky feeling in your stomach or stress that became normal. I think you said somewhere in there, it was like, it's just the way it was. Like, I didn't even know, have the words to articulate what I was feeling, I just knew I didn't want to feel that way. And while even the younger generations right now, they're the the workforce or the the world looks different than it did for me and for you. But on the same note, there's such a culture of hustle still around that sometimes you need to step outside yourself. And whether you're literally moving or going on a pilgrimage across the world, or you're just stepping out of your routine and your day-to-day to notice that things could look differently, to give yourself some space. And I think that's where, and I'm excited to hear like how you got to that point. Where were you when you were like, okay, you're, you're now teaching, you're drinking wine, you're in Spain. You've changed the scenery. You've had some amazing, empowering experiences. But what are some of the practices that you really dove into to start to look at life as more enjoying this journey and not just about what you could achieve next? Because I think that's universal for my generation, your generation, the kids that aren't even born yet, like for them, is is figuring out their place in a way that's peaceful for them. Definitely. For me, you know, I'm sitting on all the terrazas, I'm drinking all the wine, having the lushy lunches that turn to dinners that turn into afters. And you're just like, I've been here for seven hours. What's going on? I found my wellness did not come. The healing that I was seeking, the feelings that I was trying to, I don't know, clutch onto did not come until I sat down and recognized that changing this location and scenery wasn't it, right? It just didn't do anything because I'm still the same person. It's an inside job, right? It's yes. an inside job. I brought the exact same woman to La Rioja. So yeah, you can be like, that person sucks and that system sucks. But I brought the same girl who's still operating in that world to La Rioja. And that's why I have the exact same um, issues, really, you know, because wherever you go, there you are, you bring yourself. So I had to have, you know, a coming to Jesus moment with myself, which is hard to be radically self-aware, to look yourself in the eye in the mirror and saying, I don't like this. And it's my fault. It is because I decided to to do the same thing. I decided to come here and just be like, and to basically be on cruise control. If I'm being honest, I'm deciding to be on cruise control and then I'm gonna complain about it. And I had to say, girl, what do you actually want? 
what do you really want? And I had to be courageous with myself to actually say the words of what I wanted. I want to live a life where I'm cultivating ease. And ease for me is not just drinking wine on a terrace, but it's about having purposeful work and being of service. It's about building and, and creating. That's what I want to do. It's about financial wellness as much as physical wellness. It's about mental and emotional wellness. And I, that's what I desperately wanted. And then I had to be like, so what are we doing currently to cultivate those things except for vibing out? Because vibes isn't cutting it. And that's the that, that was a turning point for me, was recognizing that wellness, as much as people don't want to, you know, admit it, and it's not marketed that way, is work. Wellness is a cultivation. And I think that's hard, especially coming from American culture, where we're like exhausted, we're fatigued. The system's basically set up that way. So you're too exhausted to know what's going on in the world and to be like, hey, wait a minute, don't like that. So, and I, so I know people are gonna cringe, be like, wellness is not work. No, it's bath bombs and crystals. Girl, I like bath bombs and crystals too, but that is not gonna change your life. And if we're really talking about wellness, not from a consumer standpoint, but from a transformational standpoint, it's the most important work that we can ever do. So I had to really change that within myself. And I said, this is a cultivation. This is my life. I have to be invested. I cannot be on cruise control. I have to get my hands dirty. I need to really get into the soil of my life and pull the weeds that are not serving me and be mindful of them because they will crop up. I need to understand what is the fruit that I would like to feast on. Not what you like, not what you, what's the fruit that I think is most delicious? And then plant those seeds and to really nurture those things so they can, so I can have that harvest. That's what really changed for me. Now, can I stop you for a second? Yeah. And, and you're so like well-spoken and articulate. I, I want to dive deep though. And when we talk about doing this as work, what does that look like? Because I know it can be transformative, but how do people, if they want, if they're able to find the space or at least some time, or they're open to starting to question things they want, like you were questioning, how do you do the work and what were some of whether they were modalities or what did you do to kind of figure out, okay, I want to really be well and here's how I'm going to do it. Yeah. So I journaled and my journal prompts that I, I made for myself is actually something that I developed into moving abroad with intention guide. So you can get it if you want to move abroad with intention, but it's an excellent guide just for you to understand where you are in life. And so these are basically some of the prompts. We first start off with, I remember sitting, I was sitting cross-legged on my bed being like, that I want. But first, I I split up my life into different arenas. Okay. So professionally, I was like, what is working first? What's not working? From the things that are working for me currently, what things are, I would say, innate? Like this is just me in all my glory. And what are the things that are external that that's that's happening for me? Out of the things that are not working for me, how much of that is 
me in my bad attitude, for <laughs> me and who I am as a person, you know, being a control freak and how much of that is external. And through that process of going, going through from each arena of life and doing those two kind of columns, I was then was like, okay, so I have basically a game plan. The things that are working for me and are external, I understand that what I'm looking for in my life externally needs to have these components because I like this. The things that are working for me and are innate, it's incredible because that's just who I am and that's how I move. So I can utilize that as power. What I love about this is so as a part of your guide, you're not just thinking it, you're writing it down. And my sense is having that activity, you're then reflecting on all the great things that you have done and the things that you like. So it becomes powerful because, okay, maybe you want to keep this. This is what I want to do. And I guess as you'd say, you're living with intention. You know these work. And also it's just a, a way to really pat yourself on the back, really, you know, give yourself another ounce of confidence of like, wow, I did this. This is going right and I can feel good inside. And as I know there's a lot of people in this world and I probably can raise my hand here who's always been a people person and that's great. Um, but I do like a, a lot of people, we get validated by what other people have said to us and it's wonderful to get those compliments, but it's even more powerful when you don't just know it but you feel it. And it seems like this exercise that you're talking about as a part of the, your guide can really help people, whether they're moving internationally or not, to live a life of intention. Absolutely, because it's important. You have to write it down. One, because I think all of us, we, we underestimate ourselves. We're like, I'm an okay person. Do some things. When you write it down, you're like, oh, wait, maybe I am that girl. I, I think I am. Even on the other side, the things that are not working for you, I think it's so important to write down because I think it's so easy to be overwhelmed with just a general sense of angst and just be like, oh, I hate everything. You don't hate everything. There's actually specific things that you hate. Let's let's dive deeper into those things and, and really figure out why. Because the things that are not working out for you externally, right? are like the no-goes. You already know that that's not gonna work for you. So we're not gonna settle anymore. The things that are not working for you internally is the work that has to be done. We gotta get a therapist. We, yeah. gotta, we have to know ourselves. We have to know like, this is who I am. This is the lens that I see the world currently. Doesn't mean that I'm always gonna be this way. But as I approach either living abroad or a new chapter of my life, I got to be real with who I am, especially if I really do want to cultivate a life well-lived, whatever that means to me. Just like, you know, farming, cultivating is as much, it's art and science, but we got to be real about the quality of the soil. We can't be like, no, it's fine. I'm sure we could grow a watermelon there. Girl, we need to know if this is the right soil for that. And if it's not, and we really want to grow watermelon or tropical fruits or whatever it is, then we need to make adjustments. We can't just be like, well, I keep on dropping the seeds for mango trees and I still don't got a mango tree. We have to really be real with ourselves as to what are we working with? Because we can, you know, we can nurture that soil. We can change out the soil, whatever we need to do, but we have to be real with ourselves. And I think sometimes we're afraid to, I know that I am. I'm going to look in the mirror and be like, girl, you got that all the way wrong. <laughs> Thumbs down. 
zero stars. I, you know it, everyone knows it. it's fine, but we can't move on. We can't move on and have a sincere life for ourselves. So we have to be real about what's happening now so we can get to that. We can cultivate that experience. And as you're saying this, and, I, and I'm sitting here thinking like, oh man, I should go buy the guide. I got to download it. I, I think it, it sounds like there's so many useful, like you said, prompts in there. Like we all know that we can journal. I think not everybody's a journaler. Not everybody wants to do that. And I get that. But having a writing prompt, you know, free flow writing can be great for some, but having the topic, having the questions asked so you can really think about it can be, uh, can be helpful. And listen, there, there's so many people that may now just be, you know, as you said, walking on autopilot. And sometimes it makes sense because when you have kids and they are running different directions and they're different ages, it may be a hard time like to uproot yourself anywhere, even to the, sometimes to the living room from the dining room, it's hard because your arms and legs are getting pulled in different directions. But I think to your point, wellness takes some work and it doesn't have to be a negative thing. It just opens up your eyes. It opens up doors. And so if now, if you're listening to this right now and you're thinking, I just, I don't have time for that. I hear you. And, you know, I think about thinking about what you really want. And maybe, maybe the life of intention doesn't start today. The questioning starts today. But knowing that we all go through different phases in our lives, whether it's, you know, we're graduating school, our kids are graduating school, we go from one job to another, we lose a job. Um, some, you know, tragedy happens in life. This is life. This is a part of the journey. And being able to be open to, am I living the life I want to live? Not in the cute, we're going to see it on Instagram sort of way, but in this internally thinking like, all right, I'm doing some things right, but the things that I don't like, that don't resonate, do I need to work through them? Like you say, with a therapist, uh, with a naturopath, if it tends to be more physical or a doctor or a series of doctors, maybe, or is it, I want to be mindful that I want to keep this conversation coming up so that when some space opens this summer, I can do a real deep dive. And I think that that is, you know, I, at least I find in the, um, not even the generation I'm in right now, but in the point of life that I'm at with my family, I, I don't necessarily have all the flexibility to do these things that I would have done, say, in my 20s when I had the more time and less responsibility. However, I can still do it. We can still do it if it's something we want. And to see you glow and to be just so excited about how this work, wellness work, has helped transform you into living this life in intention and now empowering so many other women to be able to do that as well seems like, wow, like, you know, we all have different reasons why we think we're here on earth, but hopefully we are, you know, at peace finding purpose, and living a life we want to live. Absolutely. And I think my whole thing, because it's my experience, is like living abroad as a pathway to wellness. But it's actually quite universal because what I always talk about is it's through not the change in geography, but it's actually through the surrendering of the experience, to the experience. It's the surrendering to the dissonance that you absolutely feel when you're in a place that is not like home. Um, it rubs you the wrong way. 
even when you love it. You know, when I came to Spain and I was like, oh, so y'all really take siestas and everything is closed. And it's actually, there's not actually universal time of closing or opening. And sometimes you don't open when you feel like it. Like, it's like, okay, yeah, we're, we're cool. We're chill too. Yeah. It's like, okay. So not used to that, right? Right? So you have to surrender to it. But that's something that is such an opportunity because it's the in the dissonance that you are actually radically aware and open because you have to be when you're abroad you're like your head is on swivel all the time you're like wait what did you say again and so you're super present and in that present in that present moment you're able to intentionally make decisions that all add up and compound to a different life and I always tell people and they laugh at me and like Breakfast is, is a big example because people get very irate about breakfast in foreign countries. You know, the Brits, they love their beans no matter where they go. And I'm like, we don't eat beans. Leave it alone. Like, try something different. But instead of being like, oh, you don't have my beans. You don't have my cinnamon toast crunch. You're like, what do you have? Let me try it. Let me be open to a different possibility. That's what it's about. Being open to a different way of life and being in a different possibility. You can have that without going abroad. However, that means that you have to intentionally go towards the things that make you uncomfortable. And I think that's sometimes really hard to do. Cause you're like, but I could be comfy and cozy and I really like it here. I like it too. But if we're wanting to have the power and the transformational effect in our life and we really wanna root our, our lives in wellness um, so that we can live a life well-lived, I think that is the biggest step is to lean towards the discomfort, to be in that space where there's dissonance and to say, I'm gonna be okay. And I'm gonna use this space to intentionally choose differently. I'm gonna choose this dissonance to know that there is another way of moving and being, and I'm going to choose to do that. And I don't have to go abroad. I just have to be brave enough to be uncomfortable. Allow your curiosity to guide you and play. A lot of amazing things can happen when you allow yourself that space. So I would, I just want to encourage everyone to do that because cultivating wellness, I just want us not to do it in a way that has been marketed to us. Wellness is not an aesthetic, it's an embodiment. And I want us all to be truly well, truly well, but we have to do that for ourselves, you know? Oh, thank you so much. This has been amazing. I, I think talking about play, as you're sitting here talking about tango dancing, I'm like, you know, I should probably get really cool tap shoes and go and, and tap dance again. It's been so many years since I've done that, but it makes me, the thought of it just makes me laugh and smile. And I know I would have a good time and that whether or not I do it once or I do it you know, I'm not going to go move to, you know, wherever they have the championship of tap dancers, right? But the point is, is to try and play and see if it opens up new doors that make you feel happy, you know, and at peace and living this life that you want to live. So this has been, you were so full of, you know, beautiful energy, wonderful information, I'm so grateful that you came on the podcast. And for those who've been here before, know that I end each episode playing what we call the grateful game. It's really just where we take a moment to be mindful in the moment. So wherever you are right now listening, if you're driving, if you're in your kitchen cooking, um, 
you know, if you're playing cards with someone, just take a moment with us right now. Think about what you're grateful for and why in the last day or so. Um, the beauty of it is if you do this regularly, you'll start to notice things throughout the day that you appreciate that bring you joy. And that's what we're all about. So let me toss it to you and just tell me something quick, something in the last 24 hours that you are, what are you grateful for and why? I am grateful for community. I have been able to somehow lasso in an incredible, amazing group of women as my dear friends all over Europe, all over the world, but particularly here in Spain that have been just the best, the best at calling me out on my nonsense. Cause I, uh, I, I do dabble in the riffraff sometimes. Um, and also just to, ju just to be there for me. And I think sometimes that's hard, especially if you are used to being the one that's always there for other people. And you're always one that has your stuff together. I feel so grateful to be so far away from home, my sister, my mother, some of my best friends, but I have so much family and friends and love people that really have my back that want the best for me without anything in return. Um, that's the thing I'm the most grateful for. And that has changed. I mean, obviously my experience here because being far away and alone and lonely <laughs> would not be great, but it is something that I think about, like, I don't know what I did in a past life to have, to constantly be surrounded by phenomenal women but I'm so glad that I did because it's the best. It is. It is. I, I second that because I feel the same same way. I'm so grateful for so many, when I say powerful women, I mean just like internally loving and caring and thoughtful. And and they, they send that out into the world and they send it out to me. So thank you again for being here today. It's been wonderful. And to the listeners out there, thank you so much for, um, for joining us in this conversation. I hope that we've provided a little bit of insight, maybe a little bit of inspiration and just some areas to question so that we can all accomplish this finding joy during whatever journey it is that we're going through in life, like that's what we're trying to accomplish here is letting you know that the ups, the downs, the great times, the not so good times, like there is a silver lining and there are ways to find that joy. So thanks again for being here today and bye for now. One more thing. I would be so grateful if you'd take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe. You leaving a review helps us with our podcast ranking. The higher we are ranked, the more people can discover our show. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm sending you lots of happiness and great health.